G'day there. What's going on? How you going? I'm all right, mate. What's happening? I've come into HQ. Yeah, I was going to say, you look like you're somewhere different. Yeah, I've moved house and um, I first when I moved, I had no, no power and then uh, I've still got no internet. So And the 4G is really bad and the phone reception is really bad. So I just wasn't yeah. even going to try. So I've come into work to... Because that's that's what we do for this show, mate. We've sure got to, got to make sacrifices. sacrifices. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that because you're knocking down your house and building a new house? Yes, and I was I was fully prepared to um, come to you with the white I'd chosen. Yep. for my house, but I cannot find it. I know I made a decision, and I just can't yep. find what it was. Yeah, was it like what you put in the Facebook group? Fuck no, white. no, it wasn't fucking white. <laughs> <laughs> fucking white. Oh my god, that was just the most fucked decision I think I've ever had to make. <laughs> is choosing. So those of you who aren't aware of the conversation, um, I'm currently renovating an apartment, and um, if you're not privy to the conversation, it's in our Facebook group, and I had to choose between six different whites to paint the wall. Thinking, yeah, white's white, you know, what could it possibly be? And this is where bloody Dulux get you for, for the money. I don't think there's a lot of profit margin in paint, but those little bloody 100 mil sample pots are fucking six bucks a pot. And I bought you six bought of them. those. Yeah, yeah, I'd pay for them. Yeah, yeah, Bunnings, you just go get them. And then lo and behold, I've set, I've decided now which color white I'm going for. Would you like to know what color oh, white I'm, I'm going for? I'm doing a, a drum roll without the noise. Yeah. So yeah, it's called us. it's it's called Lexicon Half. Oh, you know what? When I saw that on your thing, I yep. I thought that is the one that I chose as well. Yeah, I've got it's to dig it out good. now. It's pretty good. It's just like so. I bought a big ten liter or fifteen liter drum of this shit, right? And you go to the you take the like white and they have to tint it right and so you take it over and said oh can you please turn this into lexicon half you go sure no worries mate rips the lid off puts it into the tinting machine punches it into the computer and like literally i shit you not in a 15 liter drum of paint like maybe five mils of black paint just went boop. oh wow shit. and then he shook it up and there you go lexicon half thanks for coming that's amazing yeah, I if you think that's daunting, like when I because I'm building a house with Metricon and they give you one day to go in and basically choose absolutely everything that's inside this house. Like you oh. can you can customize things or change the floor plan or whatever, but I didn't really change that much. Like the floor plan basically stayed more or less as is. Mm. But every other thing you can think of inside a house that you pay for, you're obviously not furniture and whatever, but everything else mm. gets decided in one day um, and you go through their studios and you choose everything and, and you're not like, you're not prepared. Like, like they gave, gave me a booklet, but I was just like, I, I don't know what to do with the booklets. So I'm just going, I'm just going to choose on the day. What a and whirlwind. What a whirlwind that it's must have been. And I just like, I was like, I'm, I'm shit with the interior design and colors and all that sort of thing. You know, I had, I had a, a lady come out and design the kitchen for the place that's going in this week, which I'm pretty stoked about. Nice. Um, and um, and I'm she's like, oh, what what do you like? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I yeah. showed her a picture of a um, like this house. I went, I kind of like that. She goes, Yeah, no worries. Beep, 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 into the computer. How does that look? And I'm like, the one thing that I really wanted, right? Because I do like to cook, 
is I really wanted a double oven. Oh, yeah. And I got my double oven. Nice. I'll show, I'll show you a picture. What is it? I got a, a double oven. It's like two ovens on the fucking wall, double oven. Jesus. Why do you need that? Why not? Have a look at that. Oh, See wow. That? Why do you need there's, there's my there's my there's my thumb up there even and everything like that right? No, I can I can see it. Yeah, so the bottom one is like a is a steam oven. I don't oh. know what that is. I don't know if you can tell. I don't, I'm not very good it's with a, cooking. It's an oven that makes steam. You stick water in it, and it's like like a, like in commercial kitchens. Wow. Right, and then the top one is a combi microwave oven. So it's like a normal fan forced oven, and it's a microwave as well because oh. it's not a particularly it's not a particularly big kitchen. Right. I didn't want to sit the microwave on the bench to waste space. You so don't want to do that. You go. Double and you oven. don't really this, you kind of don't need a microwave that much, do you anymore? Unless you kind of disorganize. I use I use mine quite a bit. Yeah. 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 But defrosting yeah. and lots of Yeah, defrosting, yeah. Anyway, yeah, welcome to the home improvement show. <laughs> I know this is a, well that's yeah, well I see I like the interior design stuff. Like I do I do the design for our tap rooms. It's like a guilty pleasure of mine. Mm-hmm. Um but with when you do a house like that, you're not really choosing, you're not really designing the interior because all the floor plan exists as is already. The furniture you choose later on and you're really just choosing the materials. Like yes. I didn't change the floor plan, but I chose every material and every surface and every color and all that kind of stuff. So it's yes. kind of like you've got some control, but you don't have enough to be that dangerous. Like I suppose you can make some really bad decisions, but I just went like neutral white, basically everything. So... Yeah, you can't go. You can't really go wrong with that, hey. Yeah, you know, and that's 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 what I've basically done. My 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 kitchen's basically white and stainless steel. I mean, I like stainless steel. Yeah, it's just fucking great, and you know, pretty pretty neutral. And then I any color I'm going to add is going to be my own shit. Yeah. So anyway, what did you what did you do for your stove? What sort of stove did you put in there? Induction, mate. Induction. Get out. Yeah, it's great. I just bought the top of the line induction stove. Awesome. Man, I don't, I, my stove in this place, this rental amount is shit. You know, it's one of those old ceramic ones. Takes 20 minutes to boil water. Man, I want to press a press a button, hit boost, come back in two minutes and the pot's boiling, you know? Yeah. That. And then I this is the thing that I'm really proud of, right? It's so it's a pretty old flat, old, old six-pack building, and they had to run a new electric circuit from the switchboard over to the kitchen for the stove and the two ovens. Right. And in order to run the wire, Sparky had to punch three holes in the plaster ceiling. And I filled them up and I've painted them. Can't even tell they were there. You did that yourself? Yep. Go YouTube. Amazing. Did you get a bit of lexicon white around the no, no. So No, no. So here's the thing, right? Ceilings get painted a different color to walls. Right. They're just so plain ceil- white. Ceilings get the white, white, yeah, the yeah. ultra white, and then the walls get that for a little bit of perspective. Otherwise, it feels like you're living in a cube. That's what they told me. I, I was happy to live in pure white and stainless, but they said, no, you need to add that Have little one drop of black into the into. Yeah, the that's right. Yeah. Have you got a beer there, Hendo? I've got a beer here. You got a glass? Uh, yes, I do have a glass. There you go. There's my glass. <laughs> uh, I have got the more beer from Port Macquarie, M-O-O-R-E, more beer. Uh, Imperial Choc Vanilla Porter. Wow. Give us a, a, sip, a single sip on that and tell me what you think. One moment, madam. Let me just sort that out. 
Oh, did you have a more beer on the first episode we did? Yeah, I did. Yeah, they, they sent me some a while ago. So yeah. this is a good opportunity to get some of these out and drink them, you know? Yeah. Oh, I can smell it from here. It's beautiful. Nice head on it. Mm, not bad, eh? Damn, that's actually really good. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Lots of lots of chocolate and vanilla. Lots of malt. Wow. Nice. That's banging. We like that's banging all nine percent. Very good. <laughs> all right. Well, I'd, I've I've got a beer as well, but I'm mid beer, so I'm gonna have to do it out of sequence. Yeah, yeah. So when I finish this beer, I'll get the other beer and we'll, we'll get that back into action. Yeah. Um, so I'll start with a bit of a call to action. If you're enjoying the podcast, which I know at least two or three people are because I've had some messages. It's definitely um, three. Yeah, three, maybe four. Mm. You might have had some messages as well. Mm. Um, mm. Join the email list, bossandthebrewer.com. Tell a friend, share, give us a review, suggest a guest. Um, or if you're super keen, join our new Facebook group because I set that up after the show after we thought we'd give it a crack. So we do have a Facebook group, Boss and the Brewer. Join on there. Get amongst Is there a link them. on our web, website for that? That's a good point. I don't think I've put it on the website. Yeah. But um, I can do that. Go for it. That's easy enough. Um, and I also wanted to, before we started, give a shout out to, which actually, this, this actually could be, I do have a few news items. This could be in the news, but mm. it's, I haven't got in the news, but Maddox, down the Gold Coast, who um, we've mentioned on the show before, they've they're, they listen, they're supporters, they're opening their brewery after you know many many years of doing it at home and planning mm. and whatnot. So we're, I'm going to the soft launch on Friday. I think so they're opening. Oh, are you? Yeah. Boom. Yeah, I'm staying down. I'm gonna. I, I, I went and um, uh, got an apartment down in Broadbeach, and I'm I'm gonna stay down for the night. Ah, oh, true. Mm. Um, I. We've got the Young Entrepreneur Awards on that night. And yeah. unfortunately, because of my age, I'm no longer qualified, but Eddie and Govs yeah. are. So I'm going yeah. along in support. So I'm going to go to Matic first. Yeah. And then I'm going to rock up as an old person at the Young Entrepreneurs Award, like a toolie at schoolies and support Eddie and Govs. Uh, you know what? You need to own that shit. Take a walking stick. Take my what? Take a walking stick. Oh, wow. Okay. Do you have one or of a Zimmer or a Zimmer frame or something? Else? <laughs> Fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> just if you're gonna own, the, if you're gonna be the old dude, just own it, man. Yeah, that's that's not a bad idea. Okay, mm. I'm gonna look at marketplace. I've been smashing marketplace for all the furniture. I'll see if they have walking sticks. What mm. time are you gonna be at Matic? Oh, I'll be there for what, four o'clock when it go, opens. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Very good. Okay, we'll share. Four, four till four till seven, I think. So yeah, looking forward to that. So yeah. Yeah. If you're on the Gold Coast, get, get behind them. They're really nice and the beers are really good. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing the brewery too. It looks like they've, they've, they've gone after it. Like it's a pretty decent decent looking brewery from what I've seen. It's um, I've, I've sort of stopped through whilst it was under construction. It's looking really, really good. Yeah. And, you know, they've got some really unique challenges um, being a brewery that makes Belgian-style beers because... Um, you know, you, if you're if you're a brewery that makes a lot of yeast-driven beers, you can't be rolling the typical yeast strains that a typical brewery 
roles, right? Mm. And so they've got a lot of challenges about propagating yeast and all that sort of thing, and they're doing really good. Yeah, yeah. It's also a style that's you know it's a it's a it's not the hype style, that's for sure. No. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I hope they go really well, and I'm 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 glad. Like their place, I went to their place at Pack Pines when it was in their garage, and it was just the coolest ever. So yeah, shit share. I loved kind it. Kind of bring that vibe to the to the bigger stage. Yeah, I hope so. Um, did you have any feedback on last episode? Um, yeah, I've got a few messages uh, yeah. about it. Lots of people saying, "Oh, that was a really interesting episode." Um, I think uh, I think. Uh, Luke Cooper, uh, he sort of said to me, he's like, um, I really loved Michael's um, <laughs> sensory description of his beer slash coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, well, look, it was an interesting topic. We, we, um, we covered quite a bit in that show and, and uh, Michael's an absolute legend. Oh, that's given me an idea. Hit me with it. Uh, well, after he was talking about Grodzitski or Grodzitska, whatever yeah. hour it's pronounced, I want to brew one. You want to brew? Yeah, I-, I thought I knew where that was going. Yeah. Well, you reckon I can hit up Gubs? It's a summer 100%. beer. Yeah, yeah. I might hit up Gubs if he's going to do the thing on Friday. I might hit him up and say, "Hey, man, can I come down and brew a Grodzitski?" Is it so? It's a, it's a Polish style, right? It is a Polish style beer. So. It's- yeah. So as as Michael said, perfect for summer. So yeah. three and a half percent, hundred percent oak smoked malt, and some sars or some of that uh, that, that Polish uh, hop, which I can't remember the name of, and um, and um, uh, East German uh, ale yeast or Kolsch yeast or something like that. Yeah. And even though it's a smoked beer, I was thinking about it because it's such a low ABV beer. Might be pretty tasty. Might be might be pretty smashable as a summer beer, eh? Mm. Yeah. Well, hit hit that Eddie and Gubs up on Friday. That they'll both be yeah. Eddie's super keen to check out Maddock. Oh, so so I was going actually Gubs. Yeah, I don't know if Gubs going to be able to make it because he's got to kind of rush home do parenting things and then get to the awards. But yeah, hit hit, hit Eddie up. I'll hit Eddie up. Yeah, sounds fun. Sounds fun. Yeah, I had I had quite a bit. Um, we've had. I just thought I'd give people an update on some stats. I don't know if anyone cares about this, but I think it's cool. We're yeah. getting about 200 to 250 downloads an episode, so that's pretty good. Wow. Not bad. We started um, with nothing. We've got 18 email subscribers. Woo. That's, that's, up, cool. that's up 30%. Well, there you last go. Week. Yeah, if you're measuring on a percentage growth basis, yeah. we're fucking crushing it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've got 20 people in the new Facebook group, so that's cool. Actually, I just... Posted in there tonight and asked if anyone had any last minute questions. So I better check because um, I haven't checked that yet, but that's cool. Um, I had a few people reach out to me saying they enjoyed the episode. One was Adzi from Helios. So I'll get to yeah. that when I get to my beer. Yeah. Um, I had this mark from a brewery in Northern New South Wales that is on the way. I don't know how public it is, so I better not say the name. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Dan, Marky. I'm just flicking you a quick text to say loving the podcast. Nice work. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, little sneaky shout out. Not a shout out, a little mention on Brews News, which was cool in their in their news, yeah, in their little news episode on th- uh, Thursday that they do. Of course, awesome. so that was cool. Um, now the big bucks are going to roll in. Yeah, oh, dude, the sponsors are, are lining up. <laughs> <laughs> we're get, we're going we're going to get a call from Manscaped very soon to start talking about shaving our balls because every single podcast yep. I listen to, that's that's all people talk about. Yeah, as long as it's not head and shoulders, I don't care. 
Yeah, good. Okay. Um, and I had this one from uh, Scott Eckford. Do you know Scott? Uh, he's up in Townsville. Yeah, I know Scott. So he's <clears throat> he said, I found Michael Kopik's story about the sensory loss after getting COVID interesting. 2015, when I was brewing at Townsville Brewing Co., I contracted dengue fever for the second time. First time was in the 90s. Both times I felt like I was going to die. Anyway, after the second dose, I completely lost my sense of smell and lost most of my taste. Slowly in the months that followed, my recovery of smell and taste started coming back. Um, he sort of goes on to say that he stopped judging and um, still has a reasonable palate, but kind of gets peer review on his beers because it isn't quite what it was before. So yeah, right. that's, that's pretty crazy. It's really interesting about the whole loss of smell and tasting. I walked into that conversation thinking, you know, thinking, um, you know, if that had happened to me, that's the end of life as I know it, you know, mm. um, that's it, game over, I'm done. But, you know, I found Michael's story really uh, inspirational. It's like, you know, it's it's like an injury, you know. If you get injured, you go to the physio, you get rehabilitated and you pick yourself up and away you go. So I feel different about that thing, right. you know, that situation now, which I think is really cool. Yeah, that is cool. Very good. Um, uh, one more before we get into the topics. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Brandon Ash says, hey, Hendo, in brackets, boss, which is fair. That is true. And Dan, in brackets, legend, which I enjoyed. Yes. Maybe not accurate, but that's okay. Okay. Um, have just finished the first three episodes and love that Marsden is a pisser. Great insights. Where can I buy a suck my yak t-shirt? Suck my yak. Is it- Remember? How- <laughs> yeah, Mazin's. Yeah. Mazin's going on Mazin. about all the yaks and he's like, suck yeah, my yak. Yeah, suck my yak. Right. So that one got some Maybe traction. we need merch. <laughs> we need merch. That was yeah. that was why I put this in there. Yeah. So do you know why, why Brendan called me boss? Tell me. I am his boss. Okay. <laughs> that works. So he's, 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 uh, he's a new brewer down at the Brownstone Brewery down in Melbourne that I run. Oh, okay. And, and, and literally, I am his boss. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. Very good. Nice. Well, I mean, I I think Suck My Yak shirts are probably a fair way off, let's be honest, but cheers for the the love. I don't know. It's not a bad idea. I think I think Mason would wear it. I'll leave that alone for now. Um, Did you listen to the – this is not on the agenda, but did you listen to the Brews News um, Stone and Wood thing? Uh, No. Um, so have a listen to it if you feel like it. Because when the, when Sona Wood sold, they did the normal um, weekly episode. And oh, you mean started. when they got Jamie Cook on? No, no, no. They, they 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 normally do a thing at the end of the podcast where they kind of dig into to, um, more of the details. And when the Stone and Wood sale happened, they were kind of recording the podcast as it was happening. Although I'm sure they knew about it because we all kind of knew about it in the morning. Mm. Um, but they they didn't do like the extended opinion sort of episode because I think it, I think it would have been so savage at the time. Mm. Um, mm. But they put it out last week or yeah last week after we did ours anyway. Um, so yeah, it's worth a listen. I thought it was I thought it was because um, I, I know when we talked about it, it was kind of like you know the um, the founders made. I always back the founders because I just mm. you know, I think whatever decision they made is the right decision. Mm, mm. I always back the founders by default and I, I sure. stand by that. But 
I thought that they made some pretty good points on there and were reasonably fair. I, I expected it to be a bit more savage because <laughs> I know everyone was very upset, but yeah, probably worth a listen. Yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah. Um, incidentally, the, this the Stone of Woods thing kind of seems to have gone away. I, I mean, of course it has. Yeah, it's just it hasn't yeah, been long, has it? It's absolutely is gone according to plan. Yeah, it's just it it's, feels like everything's gone back to normal. Everything's back to normal. You know, yeah. taps have changed in pubs, and um, I'm sure some things for some of the staff there are a little bit different, and or going still going through a state of flux and that sort of thing. But as far as the beer punters, punters go, the craft beer geeks and the beer craft beer community goes, yeah, it's, it's old news, you know. Yeah, this is usual, yeah. But even, even some of the usual. staff I've spoken to, and it's just like you know, we're busy summer, <laughs> a lot of pack out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm still I still drink it, you know. Yeah, it's like if it's if it's the if it's the beer on at the pub on a, on you know if you go to a, a line pub now and if it's if it's on tap you know it's like what else am i going to drink you know yeah 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 and that new um that new can they put out bloom something looks awesome too i like to look at that can mm. the counterculture one yeah um okay news items we've got news this week we've got a few um last week i don't really think we did any news but we've got a few this week the first thing i noticed is the indies um is going to be on November 25. Yes. Their live stream. So that's good. That's been announced. Yes. There'll be uh, a few different locations uh, around uh, Australia. And then we'll have, I think, Crafty and probably Kiralee as well. I Kiralee, think they're yeah. hosting it. Um, I really hope Carl from Moondog is manning the bar as he did last year because <laughs> he's always, always good value. And, um, um, and uh, I literally got off the phone to Maddie from Maddie Wilson from Moffat um, Beach. So they're going to be one of the um, one of the locations. There's a location in Brisbane, TBA. Easy times, I think. Oh, okay, cool. There you go. Yep. So that'll be good. And um, I think Moondog is a location in Melbourne, so maybe they'll do the the um, stream thing from there as opposed to him being part yeah. of the telecast, but. Uh, where was that? Sorry, Moondog. So Moondog are the are the, the site, the main the, the main site. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that'll be should good. be fun. Should be fun. Yeah. Um, second one I've got in here is the the Gabs Can Design Awards. Oh yeah. When does that wrap up? That's that's done and dusted. It was pretty fun. I think it was last Friday when they started announcing them all. Um, Did you win? We did not win, but we made it into the top ten, which was cool. Yeah. For, the, for the second year in a row. Um, stomping or, ground one. Or, oh, what, what beer? With that Nectar on of the Gods, the one. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all the craziness. Did, was that, Um, because it's, I think, a new beer, but was that the thing they had their whole Gabs stand designed around with all the fruit and shit? I think so, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool, the Gabs stand. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, there, there's some... This is I, I just I think this is a cool idea because it, it celebrates the designers and a lot of these designers are, you know, they're not they're not all kind of in this industry. They're just designers that are freelance designing, doing work for a bunch of different breweries, bunch of different industries. So to get recognition in this industry is really cool. And I noticed a lot of the designers, like our designer Dave Heaviside, uh, one of our designers, the one who we submitted the award for, was super excited to come in fifth. I think we came in. 
Yep. Um, and then that was for Mur- Mur- Murder Hornet, wasn't it? Murder Hornet. Yep. And I noticed a bunch of other designers sharing these these awards, uh, and they were stoked about it. So I think it's really cool. So the um, winner was Nectaron of the Gods. Then yep. Black Flag Kick Ons. Yeah, that was really then, cool. Eighth L Hefe. I love that. I love um, Aether's new core range lineup. So yeah, cool. Cool. That's very cool. That one. I like this one. I think this was my favorite. The um, zero Kelvin cold. Zero IPA cold. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool too. Yeah, that's a cool. One. And they won it last year, I think. So that was. Yeah. Right. Then Murder Hornet. Then Murder Hornet. Then Sidewinder Hazy from Reclaim. Yeah, I like actually it. saw that on um, on LinkedIn. That Paul Paul from um, uh, Brick Lane posted, and I went, "Those stripes just look." Fucking cool. <laughs> they, do look, they do look cool. I saw that on a bus yeah. shelter driving home the other day. So Dan Murphy, Dan Murphy's must be um, because I think it was a Dan Murphy's bus shelter with that beer yeah. on it. Yeah. And then what have we got here? Uh, rum Life. barrel aged coffee and molasses Baltic porter from Pirate Life. That's a cool looking can. I like that. Yeah, that, that is Pirate cool Life do can. good stuff. I love the gold, man. Yeah. The gold, the gold embossing there is really cool. Uh, last tram to Brun- Brunswick, DDH Nebar from Temple Brewing Co. Lovely. And then Buckety's. Yeah, that's cool to see them in there as well. That's a cool one. Yeah. You don't see Temple that much anymore. That's really no. good to see. They were one of the first breweries we ever went to in Melbourne. Where yeah, we- absolutely. I, I live just around the corner from them and, you know, it's um, uh, good, good, uh, good bunch of people. Yeah. What else we got here? Tawny Grogmouth from Buckety's. I, I saw a lot of people on our things <laughs> said I've just voted for Tony Grogmouth after your one because it's just cool and yeah. it is the cool name and it's a cool can. Yeah, the illustrations are really cool on it. Yeah, that's and then um, and then Cavalier Event Horizon Black IPA, which is like they're all really cool, man. They are cool. Yeah, the bunch cool bunch of labels. It's bloody hard to do labels, you know. It's like. You gotta you gotta do stuff that's sort of you know on brand, um, but then you gotta be creative as well. And yeah, yeah, it's um, there's a whole there's a whole there's a whole episode in that, dude. Oh, many episodes. Yeah, we we could actually we could get some of our designers on here. We we work mm. with some of the most amazing people. Like like last year we 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 were in the list with Moon Dancer with Troy. Mm. Um, this year, Dave. Dave's done like thirty cans for us. He's awesome. Um, there's another guy that we I'm working with for all the AWOL designs, um, who just draws this crazy. He's called Crank Illustration. Tim from New Zealand. Um, yeah. Check out his Instagram. He just draws these crazy, weird bacterial carnage. Is what he calls it. The kind of AWOL design. Um, he just draws them all. It's just just amazing. These these people. How do you find all these people? I just follow all these accounts. I, well, I mean, I've been doing design, web design for fucking years, so there's that. But I just, I follow all these accounts, and I, I love it. I love seeing them. I love seeing all what the do designs. You do? Just, just reach out to them on Insta and say, "Hey, hey, I'm Dan from Black Ops. Would you do some beer labels for us?" Um, to, to be honest, we don't. I don't look for new designers very often. Like we've had, I've worked with. Most, we get people come to us a lot to do design. So I don't normally reach out to them. The, the only one I reached out to that I can think of, I did reach out to Tim after seeing the crazy shit he was doing because we, I wanted that crazy bacterial thing for AWOL. Before that, the first time was Matt Vigotis when we originally yep. did our cans, which was years ago. Yep, yep. Um, but since then, since the brands, you know, kind of 
reasonably well known. We we get people approaching us all the time. So um Dave, Dave kind of I knew Dave anyway. I used to come in here, used to work down the corner, like I knew him. Mm. And at our fourth birthday, he was like, Oh, I'd love to do some cans for you. Let me just have a crack at one of them. And one of them was the murder on it. Yeah, right. And I was like, holy shit, yeah, let's let's keep keep doing this. That's good. Um, but but these guys are so, these guys are so talented. Like you think brewers work, I mean, brewers do work hard, but these guys work just as hard. Like Dave, me and Dave message each other all day, every day about this kind of shit. He's up all night designing shit. You know, they're, they're just constantly thinking about this stuff. It's it's a legit skill that should be appreciated Ooh, for sure. Most definitely. Yeah. Um, what's next? We've got, oh, the Southern, so yeah, I, I came up with a title for this episode. It was Indies Gabs Can Design Awards, Valuation, Liquidation, and Pasteurization. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So we're on to liquidation, unfortunately, yeah. which is, which is not something to laugh about. Um, so Southern Bay Brewing, who um, I don't know a lot about, you know, other than you know, a few news articles that have come out, but there's a yeah. post on Brews News saying they're going into liquidation and the um, liquidator saying it's in the very early stages, um, but they've had ongoing issues for a number of years and sort of mentioning COVID and yep. losing a head brewer and and that kind of stuff. There was yeah. sort of there was some brand things that went on. Do you know do you know much about these guys? Yeah. I used to be the head brewer there in 2012. Okay, good. Well then you can talk <laughs> about this. <laughs> I just wanted to see how far I could take it, let you go, you know. <laughs> that's why that's why you know that's why this podcast works because I know about some shit and you know more about all the other shit. <laughs> Yeah, I um I started at Southern Bay in um in sort of early 2012 after I'd finished up at Prickly Moses Otway Estate. Uh, the reason why I took the job is I just wanted to move closer to Melbourne because I was living in Colac. At the, well, I was living in Colac when I started at Prickly Moses, and then um, moved to Geelong. Was commuting from Geelong to Colac every day, and that was like an hour and a quarter each way in the car. Every you know two and two and a half hours a day in the car, and um, it's a very old brewery, very old. Yes, you mentioned that in the article, yeah. Um, and they're, so to give you some examples of how old it is, right? So first up, the fermentation vessels. Uh, they're not cylindroconical vessels like you've got at your brewery. Um, they're like old square tanks. Right. So think about like a 40-foot shipping container yeah. that's been cut lengthways down the center, right? That's the shape yeah. of the tanks. They're still jacketed. No. No? No, they're not. No. Single skin in a big cold room set to oh, a certain wow. temperature. Wow. And then they had and a couple of the tanks had some cooling coils run through them to hmm. keep things cool. No CIP in those tanks. Wow. So when you wanted to clean the tank, you actually had to suit up, um, grab a bucket of caustic and a bucket and scrub. Holy shit. How, yeah. how old is it? Uh, so the brewery started, I believe, in 1988. And wow. uh, and Nick Warming or the Warming family, who owned it until its demise, I think they bought it in 1998 or two, early 2000. Actually, I think he's, if I remember correctly, his father bought it and died six months later oh after he bought it. Yeah. And um, so... No CIP in the fermentation tanks, and there, and then this, this, the uh, maturation cellars 
is basically a bigger cold room set to a cold temperature with 20-something more of these tanks. The really interesting thing is these tanks, uh, they hold about 180 hectolitres, 18,000 litres, uh, and they're, they're pressure vessels when they're bricked in. Okay, so these old tanks came from the old, I think it was the old Volum Brewery, which was in Geelong, where the, where the Westfield Shopping Centre is in the middle of Geelong. And, um, and so the Volum Brewery was bought out by CUB and the brewery was kept and these tanks used to be bricked in and what they would do is they would tank a beer down from Abbotsford to there, carve them up, and then local distribution is what they used okay. to do. And so they moved these tanks out of the central Geelong over to um, uh, 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 Point Henry, um, which is the road that goes out to the old aluminium smelter that was in Geelong. And um, uh, very, very old, very, very run down. Um, the, the, the brew house is fascinating. So there's, there's a mash tun kettle and a, and a, which, and, and a whirlpool are made from mild steel, not stainless. So it's, it's just, and so the rust is, it's what keeps it, keeps it from, you know, um, from, you know, um, corroding and that sort of thing. The Lauderton is beautiful. It was from the old uh, Geelong distillery that's out near the, 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 the maltings and the, um, um, the, the, and the BP or Shell refinery that's out there in Geelong North or North Geelong. And it was all, it's, it was clad, it's clad with oak. It's fucking stunning. Oh, Lauderton yeah. in this really odd industrial place. The packaging line um, was like um, the, the bottling line was a 70 year old Meyer uh, bottling line that could do 160 bottles a minute. So it was pretty fast. But very, very old. No, um, you know, enclosures with interlocks and all that sort of stuff. You get your finger caught in that, it's game over, right? Wow. Um, and um, old tunnel pasteurizer. Um, and um, uh, yeah, it, and and the thing is, right, is that you know the the brewery could smash out some some good beers you know so you know the the it was really good at smashing out lots of lager that's what it was really geared I was going to ask that know? is it I'm guessing they weren't making the sort of the modern sort of crafty kind of beer yeah so I I sort of took over as head brewer of the brewery after um um uh Dennis who'd been there for ages uh you know years I'm not I don't think I've ever met Dennis but he's a bit of a legend in that place, you know, and, hmm. um, and um, uh, yeah, it was, it was a really, it was a real eye opener. Um, I was well and truly over my, well in over my head, you know, of, of my skill set and the learning curve was really, really deep, really, really steep. Um, and, um, but, you know, we made some good beer and um, we put out, um, uh, it was actually mentioned on the uh, on uh, on a Facebook post I saw this week. You know, someone had when uh, uh, oh, I think it was at Brews News, I think, and someone had said, oh, "I miss Hot Bazooka." And that was oh, probably yeah. the, the the signature beer that I did. And um, that sounds like had, a Hendo beer. <laughs> had a had a sick label. Hey, <laughs> had the sickest label, and um, it was. Um, um, it was. Um, I'm going to see, see if I can um, pull it up, mate, just so I can show you the uh, the the label there. 
I want to show you the OG Hot Bazooka label. <laughs> I can see some of the uh, the newer version of it, but the old one was just so cool. It was just like a silhouette of a toy soldier with a bazooka on his shoulder, nearly. Yeah, nice. And it was just really, really good, really, really well done. Anyway, so I just at the time, I just I was a bit enamored and I wanted with Hop Hog and I just wanted to make mm. a beer as good as Hop Hog. And um and so we we made hop bazooka and we dry hopped it with an ungodly nine grams per liter, <laughs> which at the time was absolutely unheard of. But yeah, now it's now it's like uh it's Wednesday, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and um and then um uh we entered it into the Perth Royal Beer Show and beat Hop Hog. Ah, nice. That was that was when I that was when I sort of you know said, oh, shit, mate, I'm might be alright at this beer making thing. Let's uh, let's keep cracking with it." And yeah, um, right. it was really really good. And to be fair, the reason why that beer was so good was really was because of the old equipment, right? right? So how how it worked, right, was that. It, we had these old square tanks and they had these cross members inside it. And what we did was uh, there were some pellets and some whole flowers that we dry hopped it with. Um, I can't remember the top of it. There was, there was, there was some galaxy flowers we actually got. Um, and so what we did is we sprinkled pellets across the bottom of the tank and then we hung flowers from these cross members. And so it got really good circulation and it was just so hoppy and piney and um, juicy hops weren't really invented then, but yes. um, it was, um, it was absolutely amazing and such a good beer. What was the category and was just the IPA category or? Uh, it was 6%, I think. So let's have a look. American, I IPA think was, uh, American style strong pale ale, I think it was. Yes. So 5.6%. Yeah. If my memory serves me correct, did you do a did one of the first beer? Well, it probably wasn't one of the first beers I had out of yours, but when you were doing Brewcol, did you do a beer called Thanks Captain Obvious, which was yeah, also was, a, a Hop Hog clone of sorts? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of the evolution of it, right? So right. if you want to talk about the evolution of my development of skills in brewing IPA, right? It started at Prickly Moses with um, a, an IPA called the Raconteur IPA which Luke Scott let me brew. Yeah. Um, and we, and I did so many revisions of that. I had a pilot brewery that I built myself and, and I pilot brewed it. Then we'd scale it up, brew a batch. Then I'd take it back down and brew it again and up and down scaling this beer. I worked so hard on refining that recipe and learning heaps about IPA. Um, and then that sort of went into hops, hop bazooka. Um, and then bazooka? After, bazooka. yeah, hop bazooka at, at, right. uh, at Southern Bay. And then after hop bazooka at Southern Bay, um, it, 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 you know, when I started brew cult straight after that, and, uh, then it became, uh, thanks captain obvious. Yeah. I think you did. Did you do that for the first time at Gab's one year? Not before you had it in the bottle. Like you had thanks it on captain cap obvious. Yeah. I did a batch of it like before it became part of, the core yes. range. Yeah, I had that. I think um, it was Gabs. And it had um and Richard Adamson from Young Henry's um sent me what he wanted the decal to be, which was basically <laughs> that that um do all the things meme, you know, right. from years and years ago. Drink, drink all the hops, I think it was like. Yeah. And that was the decal was the meme. 
um, and then when did the rebrand and that sort of thing, and that's when it sort of became um, the orange yes. gear in the, yeah. in the core range. The first time I had it was before then. I think it, I think it was a Gabs or it was something. We were down at Melbourne, and Eddie's like, "Oh, Ando's done a Hopog clone. Try this." I was like, "Fuck, this is amazing." Um, did you see the? Fe- this wasn't in our little list here, but did you see Feral? Uh, the, one of the original founders from Feral is reopening that the Swan Valley. Yeah, Al from um, from the Great Northern in Melbourne. How, how cool is that? Yeah, so you know he he's a venue operator and that sort of thing. Runs the Great Northern in Melbourne, and um, for him to go and take over the um, the Swan Valley venue, I think that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, Good opportunity. The okay, the, so. So, so anyway, thoughts on the the Southern Bay? I, I mean, yeah, it's, always, so, it's always sad when it's always heartbreaking when a business is, doesn't work anymore. So I, I just yeah. think of the founders, and I hope I hope they're all good. Um, how, how do I feel about it, right? So I've had a, about twenty four hours for this to to sort of sink in. All right, I did not get along very well with the general manager or the owner of the business right. uh, at the time. Um, I think that that brewery had so much potential if if they just had of um, invested uh, in new equipment and, uh, and that sort of thing. But unfortunately, the owner of the company didn't want to invest, um, and um, there was a lot of bad stuff going on there. You know, a lot of bullying and harassment and right. bloke bloke culture and all that sort of thing. Um, but at the same time. You know, um, I've got some, I've met some lifelong friends there, you know, mm. um, you know, like Matty Cuthbert, um, who's the head brewer out at Revel, you know, he, he, he'd already worked there for seven years, but you know, before I what? got there. Yeah. He, that he looks like he he's was... 25 years old. How, how is that even possible? <laughs> <laughs> well, he'd got out of high school and, and, and basically went to study brewing straight out of high school. Wow. Amazing. Um, and so, you know, Maddie um, had been there seven years. When I first met him, um, you know, he was just very, um, you know, quite um, broken, dishevelled, you know, because it just wasn't a very healthy culture there. Mm. Um, and I sort of came in with a with a fresh set of eyes and said, oh, let's be creative and let's do stuff. And I said to Maddie, you want to make a beer? You want to make your own beer? And he said, yeah, I'd like to. And I said, mate, you can spend whatever money you want on raw materials. So he came up with this beer called Requiem Pilsner. Yeah. And it was, and so, and, and, and I have to give full credit to, to Maddie Cuthbert for teaching me how to make lager, you know, um, it, and, and doing that at Southern Bay, you know. And, um, um, and so he, we, we made this Requiem Uber Pale Pilsner. So we got the Wyman Premium Pilsner malts, the palest one you can get, and um, some Kiwi hops. It's, Banging, banging Pilsner, so good. Dry hopped and all that sort of stuff. Really, really good. And um, uh, and then um, so Maddie, Maddie's just a legend, and I love him to bits. Mm. Um, there's um, uh, Steve Walker, who's now brewing. Uh, he sort of he left Southern Bay. He went to Creatures for a while. I think he's at Blackman's now down at the oh, uh, yeah. Surf Coast there. Yeah. Um, he. We call him Steve Amices <laughs> because he would do all of the microplating. And I'd never actually seen it before, before I started at, at Southern Bay. 
And every week he would go take samples for all the tanks and he would plate it up and he would explain the mushroom of sterility, how he would work underneath the Bunsen burner and that was all sterile and all sorts of stuff. And I was fascinated with what he did. I had no fucking idea what he was doing. Yeah. But I'm like, you do that. That looks really cool. Yeah. And um uh and then and then um uh young uh, Ryan Tyak, who is at Pirate Life in Adelaide now. I think he heads up engineering there or has something to do with the engineering there. Um, young fella, absolutely young, young, very young guy. Um so he'd probably qualify own. for the Young Entrepreneurs Awards if he wanted to. He would still qualify even, right. even 10 years later, mate. Okay. And um, he built this amazing homebrew system that was fully automated. So it was looked like hooked up into an Arduino and he <laughs> nice. could sit on his couch and, and mash in and <laughs> do mash steps <laughs> from his couch and all that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, on his, on his brewery, that's where we did the first uh, pilot batches of Two Birds Sunset Ale. Wow. Um, and um, so we did some product development with Jane uh, around that. Jane had never brewed on anything less than 50 heck prior. Yeah. And here right. she was doing some, um, you know, product development on a, on a, you know, 50 litre brewery and that sort of thing, which was so cool. Um, uh, Alex Lovelock, who works for Mazen now over at Hawkins. Oh, yes. He's the head um, brewer then. Uh, Alex, no, no, no. But I think he heads up the cellar. Oh, I see. Yeah. I think the cellar is his. The centrifuge yeah. is his. Right. Right. And um, Alex started a short time after I started there and um, he was um, a chef, got sick of working in hospitality and shit hospitality hours. That's fair. And um, he lived in Melbourne. He lived in Melbourne. He'd drive down to Geelong every day and just, just I, you know, I just decided to give him a go because he was just so, so keen and motivated and he's built a career out of it, which I think is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, um, yeah, there's it's it's pretty cool. Like, and I work with some you know people that are still in the industry. I think I think Tiff Tiff Waldron was like the social media manager at the time. I think, you know, obviously not <laughs> when they did that faux pas a couple of years ago. Yeah, and, I'm guessing um, she wasn't working there then. No shit, no. Um, but you know, it was a it was a great place, but a good people. But there was a real toxic culture there, um, mm. and. I, to be honest, I'm surprised that Southern Bay lasted as long as it did. Well, re- um, I guess reading into the, what was in that uh, the article, it kind of sounded like it wasn't going too well for quite. It a was while. never going well. It was never going well when I was there a decade ago. And the fact that it made it ten years mm. afterwards is phenomenal. Yeah. Right? Um, but the thing is, is that you know Nick Warming, the owner, he he had he had a property portfolio of you know i think it was mostly pubs and that sort of thing in in south australia and i think what he saw in southern bay was the land value because it's right on Corio bay and it was across the road from the salt flaps flats but there was this um you know 20 year vision that they would build a marina in that spot so he saw the future value of the land Mm. um but um uh, and I think that's why that's why he held on to it because he was thinking it thinking of it from the real estate perspective first and foremost. Yeah. But he's but he's I think he's 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 sort of you know his businesses in South Australia didn't go well. Trying to prop up Southern Bay, which wasn't going well, and eventually the whole thing just come undone. You know, yeah. and it just took that long to do. It's you know, and and um, yeah, 
I, I don't really feel much for that guy. <laughs> well, that's you know? interesting because I when you were saying that, I checked my phone because when that um when that social media faux pas thing came out, um, I texted him. I didn't know that I didn't I, I've never met the guy, but I just texted yeah. him and said, like, you know, we've been through bad things, you know, let me know if you want. Just because I I just I just always think like back the founder, because you know, most sure. every founder I've ever met from a craft brewery is always doing their best. So it's interesting to hear you say that. Um, and I, I just messaged him and said, you know, let me know if you want a hand or anything. And I think yeah. he replied back. I just checked the message, he replied back and said, no, nah, it's all fine, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I don't I don't want to talk down on people. I don't I don't know that. No, 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 exactly. Yeah. No, no, it's 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 he's just it's it's just he's odd character, you yeah. know. Um and um you know, I, I the liquidator is going to have uh, a very very tough time with the rummaging. equipment stuff. It sounds like it's, it's it's not the equipment, mate. It's the land. Yeah, it's the issue, right? It needs a horrendous amount of environmental rehabilitation, right? right? So the brewery brewery wasn't connected up to the sewer, right? Uh, and so basically, raw trade waste, brewery trade waste, got pumped up the back. I feel like we're going to get sued if we keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's how it was. And on, the, the council knew it. So, you know, on that note, I'm going to get my beer. That I'm right. What are you going to get? And what do I do while you're gone? I don't know. You can be, you can be like on Joe Rogan, where someone goes to the toilet and you know you talk to Jamie. Oh, we don't have a Jamie. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, I'm trying to find the original Hot Bazooka label though, because it was cool as. I keep finding the new one. Which is not really fair. All right, that wasn't that wasn't too long because it wasn't a toilet. Now, what, first of all, this this glass here that I got from uh, Flash from Cooley Liquor, who's got the Rusty and Flash show, which I've been on, mm. Mm. is the same glass you had the other day that I called you out on. Oh, um, where's it come from then? Well, this is what I wasn't clear about because it's Thirsty Merchants make it because it's got Thirsty yeah. Merchants branding on it. Yeah, but I don't know if this is. Yeah, I mean, he gave it to me, so I don't know if it's got none of the, not, it doesn't have his branding on it. So I just think it's, I don't know. Someone's given that glass to me as a gift. Yeah, it's confusing. And I, and I can't remember who. Right, well, it was, probably, about it was that. probably Flash. I don't think I've met Flash. Speaking of gifts, um, Adzi from Helios. Hey. Send me these. Cerberus. How good. Nice. How good is beer mail? We need more beer mail, mate. That was the whole thing. It was like when we started, it was like, we're only doing this so people send us free beer. Have and you that, got it in a glass? Because I never had it in a glass when I, I know, drank I'm, it. I'm about to find out. So, th- so that was the dream would be people would be bulk sending us free beer. And it's we've brought this to fruition, Ando. Well, we've started. It's the beginning. Right. Where um, do people send beer to Dan at Black Hops and... Hendo at the renovated apartment. Yeah. Um, I so I got he gave me two of these, said he enjoyed listening to the show, and two of the porter, which I think did you ha- drink on here? I think maybe the porter, yeah. I think I've got some, yeah. I've got the porter, I've had the porter, yeah, yeah. Um, and I gave one to Eddie because Eddie was excited to choose to try this one yeah. as well. Show us the glass, man, it smells good, is doesn't it? It's amazing. This the lighting in here is dog shit, so you probably yeah. can't even see it. it looks really it's an good. amazing ruby red. So I yeah. I was at um I went to Brewdog after we recorded the podcast last yes, week. For the collab. So that was this was that. the beer for it, was it? And that was the beer for yeah. it. So I 
had to go and support Adzi for that because, you know, he's, um, you know, one of my, my former students and that was his first commercially released beer and I'm always support, um, um, you know, someone in that, in that it's a great start to a brewing career and that, that really floats my boat. Um, and, um, amazing looking beer. It's the oh, strangest, good. deepest, reddest, uh, red beer that I've, uh, ever, ever seen. It's like, um, uh, red's such a hard color to nail as a mm. brewer, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, they can, they can work out being golden or they can work out being brown. And the, right. and the, and the, that, that, that transition through red and copper and all that sort of stuff, right? there's not much room to move. Yeah. And what he's pulled off with that is, is amazing. That's true. Tastes really good too. And, and it's hoppy too, eh? As someone who owns an American bulldog, it's got a little pit bull on the front there with these metallic crazy eyes, which I'm enjoying as yeah. well. Well, that's Cerberus. That's the three headed dog, mate. Yeah. Oh, that's, is that the thing they had in Harry Potter? Mm, not sure. Okay. Don't really watch Harry Potter. If we had Jamie, he would find that out for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Well, yes. Okay. Southern Bay, let's move on from that. But I, I just, I feel bad. I still feel bad. I don't know the guy. I feel bad when a business goes out of business because, you know. Sure. You know, for the staff and the founders and everyone else, it's not good. It's tough. Yeah. Um. All right. Good Beer Week 2022 was announced. So this is going back a week and a bit. Yeah. But I think this is cool because we haven't had it's one good. for a while. Oh, my God. It's going to and, be so good to have it back. Yeah. And we had, we had an event locked in for the last one uh, with um with our AWOL stuff because we had like a – there was a sour beer event happening down there and we were like fully pumped. We were ready to go. Um, and Nothing. And we yeah we had an event at um the Park Hotel in Abbotsford. We had a few things like yep. that, like Pine of Origin, that kind of stuff. But the yeah, last yeah, one didn't yeah. happen, so it's cool. Like you know, I, I went down for 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 part of Good Beer Week, you know, this year and that sort of thing. wasn't supposed to, but um, uh, it was a very sort of cut down yeah um, Good Beer Week this year. Um, but it's going to be really good to see it um, to see it come back and really shine. I think. Um, I think the IBA um, have the opportunity here to really connect directly with consumers instead of the industry. Yeah. Um, and um, I think if it goes well this year, um, you know, it, I think it would be great if the IBA went and expanded Good Beer Week out into other cities around Australia. Yeah, it'd be um, interesting. To, it's it's got to be a, a good one, to, doesn't it? Because it's as a way to connect. Because the other thing, you know, the other thing hasn't happened. Sydney Craft Beer Week hasn't happened in a while. Bruce yeah. uh, uh, Vegas. Bruce Vegas hasn't happened in a while, and um, you know it's it's a it would be a, it's a good way for um, um, you know the IBA to connect directly to consumers and start to actually sell what independence is. Yeah, the beeries uh, is that still a thing? That's probably not a thing anymore. Well, that was um, Marty Keedles, mm. you know, as as part of um, the 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 big, what was the beer festival. Bloody, um, uh, beer and cider, beer and cider, yeah. Also, doing something, he called me the other day, he's doing something else, he's still around, yeah. So, the beeries was kind of part of beer and cider. I think, I think he owns it or the RNA owned it or something like that now. But beeries have got to come back, yeah. Beeries have to come back. That's that was such a good awards event, it recognizes 
um, great people in the industry. Um, that's a that's a concept that that needs to go national. Yeah, you know, yeah. not just not just Queensland. I wonder you know? if they're um if they're sort of organising that anyway. Maybe maybe if we've got one of our two hundred listens, let us know. Let us know. Let us know in the comments below. Happening. Yeah, that would be cool. But yeah, good good be a big solid full good beer week next year would be very cool. I'm going. I'm I'm definitely. Going. I've already decided. I'm going. What I normally do is I normally take two weeks off. And I go down for AIBA judging, which is the week before Good Beer Week, and stay the whole Good Beer Week. Yeah. And then Lee McAllister Smiley, um, we get an Airbnb apartment together, not in the same room. We get like separate rooms and that fine. sort of thing. That's well, fine. you know, don't be judgy. And um, and um, uh, and we just hang out and drink beers and do gabs and do events and all that sort of thing. And it's great fun. Did you see he's well, Lee's one of the members of our uh facebook group down did you see his comment yeah he replied to, <laughs> he replied in the intro just saying i'm the loose unit and that was, that, was his, <laughs> that was his introduction it's a facebook group it's it's true though that's <laughs> so true <laughs> um all right well there's a few other little news things we didn't get to pasteurization but i feel like we'll be here all night if i get you started on that one so oh yeah why don't we um Get onto the fan questions. Yeah. Um, actually, I might just double check to see if I've got any last minute questions in the group because I've got I've got Darren Hill with a question straight up, yeah, yeah. which you would you would expect. Yep. Um, but if we've got any live ones, I might check those. Check the Facebook group. Have a quick looky here. My computer's going a bit slow. I think there's a bit too much going on for this old computer. Yeah. It's not, not really keeping up. Um, all right. I have a question. Jacob Gordon, when, you, yeah. when do you think the turning point for the popularity of craft beer was? Was it a specific event or brewery that really shot it into the public limelight? That's a good oh, question. I that's like a that. great question. When did craft beer really take off in Australia? In Australia. Yeah. Like I know like when we when we started, I felt like we were very late. Like this is a this we were a lot of years after mm. the time we're talking about, a lot of years after you were doing the, the brew cult stuff, a lot of years after feral hop hog, stone and wood, little creatures. Um but the growth since we started has been out of control. It turned, turned out we were pretty early. I, I agree. I think there's, there's, pro, there's some phases to it, I suppose, you know. And I'd probably say around sort of the late noughties, early 2010s, you know, when the number of craft breweries happened to grow, but the market, you know, by volume didn't. Yeah. Um. And then we started to see sort of in the mid-teens the rise of some big volume breweries with real rapid, um, you know, production volume, volumetric growth. Give me some some names of the, the beers and breweries. It's like, like the first phase, you're talking about the, the little creatures and the, the malt shovels, that kind of... 
No, well, no, there was that in the early 2000s. You know, my, my epiphany bill is Matilda Bay Alpha Pale Ale and, that's, and that's, a lot of them. What, what year is that? That's going back even further, isn't it? Yeah, that was kind of 2000 and right. 2000 and 2003 and that's sort the of thing. I was living in Perth at the time. And yeah. Used to drink Alpha Pale Ale at the Queens every weekend. I loved it. Um, I would say, um, you know, in the late, in the late noughties, uh, you know, breweries, uh, you know, Stonewood started, but they were very small. Mm. Um, uh, but there were breweries like Feral, um, Holgate has been around that mm. long. Yeah, Temptress um, is a big, bigger. Yeah. And then sort of in 2010 when Moondog started and they started getting really crazy with what was being, mm. what you know, really showed people what beer could be creatively. Um, and then as we sort of progress into the, the teens, um, the the shift I think in the types of beer that have been produced sort of became less about being extreme and more about being accessible and reaching a broader market. And it was a very slow shift, I think, in my opinion. Mm. Um, and I think once the breweries got to that point where um, uh, where um, they sort of became mass market. In recent years, when pe- when consumers would stop buying four packs and six packs and start buying cartons of craft beer, and those the prices of those cartons of craft beer were accessible, more accessible, and you know, as Mazin said, just just put the price to the point where it's just got to be to sell a case. You know, yeah. um, that's when we saw that real volumetric growth. You know, that a lot of breweries are now experiencing, and I think we've sort of come to that realization that your beer's got to be up accessible price in order to sell the volume. Mm. Um, So it's really hard to answer Jacob's question. It's really, it's really hard to um, pinpoint a time where it really took off. I just, I I feel it's gone in phases. Yeah. You know, you had sort of the, the, the pioneers in the early 2000s, which incidentally all got sold to the majors. Um, Not all you know, of them. Then you, Burley Brewing is still around. Burley, yeah, true. Um, and then, sort of in the 2010s, when it was all about you know creativity and stuff like that. Um, and then in the sort of mid mid to late teens, when it sort of became about accessibility. Mm. Um, you know, yeah. and 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 I think that's where we're at now is about accessibility. Sure, there's still creative beers out there, there's creative breweries and that sort of thing. Um, but it's very hard to build a big sustainable brewing business just solely off that extreme beer creativity stuff. Yeah, but I think you can build a brand off that. And I think like that's, you know, that's what we try to do is like that that spirit that you, you know, that you were kind of pioneering mm. when you were doing your thing was like every time you bring a beer out, it's different to the last one. Mm. And it's amazing and exciting and the label's cool and like all of that shit is still very much what is happening now. Sure. Um, but, you know, like if you look at it, you know, with our company, if you look at our social media, you, you, you'll think where this business is a business that produces 50 beers every week mm. and that's the business. Mm. But that's, you know, that's 5% of the business. Not 95% is selling core range beer. Yeah. Um, so I think, you can, yeah. I think the value still, the spirit and the value is still there with that stuff, but it's, for us, at least, it's, you know, you need to have, like what you said, you need to have a $50, $60 carton of beer. 
I still remember when I first met the three guys at at uh, at curbside here in the valley here. Yes, I was pouring your beers, keep on trucking, I think was the release. Yeah. At the time. Were you working for me? I was. Yeah, you disappeared for a little while. I wasn't, no, not officially. Oh, did I say mind the bar? Yes. <laughs> you did. Yeah. And I was stoked. You had the, the little jockey boxes, and I was like, fuck, I'm pouring brew cold beers. This is the best. <laughs> <laughs> I remember having a chat to the three of you guys and, you know, what my experience at the time of the, the business was and that sort of thing. And I think I was pretty trying to encourage you guys just like fucking go for it you know you can do this you know and yeah yeah and 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 it turned out that you know that that was early in hindsight i, th- I think yeah. like because we're from we're in different places as well like you, you were in melbourne all that time i'm in queensland mm. so i just only saw what was happening in queensland yeah but i think when we started around the time when bolter started but i think they were a few months earlier and they were quicker into cans i think because we we couldn't afford a canning machine we were just we were waiting around for someone to to come around with mobile canning um but i think bolter deserve a fair bit of credit for the current kind of explosion of mainstream adoption of craft beer. i'd agree with that yeah yep yeah because they came out with a good accessible range of beers and very limited you know not only four or so beers at the time yeah. and um, back that that can the can they Kind of went all in on cans. Had the sixteen pack format, which meant you could yep. buy a carton of it. Yep, for sixty bucks or whatever. And yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think okay. I think history will show the, the the XPA as as kind of one of these beers that you know we're talking about the hop hogs and the pack ales and whatnot. Yep. Um, XPA could be one of those as well. It was, I think that totally. was a turning point. Totally, totally. Um, I would I would definitely put um. um Put uh, Bolter and Bolter XPA down in there as uh, one of the, the the beers that defines craft beer in Australia. Yes, um, I, I I think if we talk for much longer, my computer's going to freak the fuck out because this thing is from well before craft beer existed. And yeah. I think we're buying a new one. I know, I know. Times are tough, mate. <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's bloody expensive. Fucking running a brewery. I have to buy everyone else computers. I'm the last yeah. person to get one. This one's six years old. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think I do need a new one. But let's let's see if we can we can do one more question because this one, yeah. this one's from my brother, so that deserves a an opportunity to ask a question on the show. And it's, I didn't know it's, you had a brother. What's his name? Know. His name's Steve. That's a great um, name. It is a good name. Yeah, very fitting with the show. Uh, so and it's and it's on topic. So is craft beer losing ground after the stone and wood sale? And he sent me a Guardian article on the topic. Is craft beer losing ground? Um, yeah, I think since the stone and wood sale. Yes, I think it's. I think he's saying, you know, when the major companies own, like you said before, all of the pioneering breweries mm. is is craft beer still a thing i would say yes because um as is continues to happen as 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 has happened for the last 20 years beer consumption has fallen in australia by volume but craft beer continues to rise um in terms of market share so we're having a growing piece of a shrinking pie yeah a very interesting situation to be in 
So if you're one of the majors, you're going to be quite concerned about that. You know, if you've got, if you're, you know, got 50%, 60% of the market, beer market share, not just craft beer, but the beer market, man, you're going to be panicking at the fact that Australians aren't consuming as much beer as they did 10, 20 years ago. So any craft brewery that's in that growing portion of the shrinking pie that really pops its head up is going to get snapped up. Mm. You know? But that that's that doesn't answer the question though. That, that I mean, breweries getting snapped up is not helping the craft. No. Thing. Okay. So so what's going to happen to the craft sector after uh, post in a post stone wood, you know, loss loss of independence world? Um, I think that what will happen is the independence will consolidate as they've done in the past. Um, um, and when I say consolidate, I mean that. Um, you know, taps will change and all that sort of stuff. Those that want to buy independent will continue to buy independent. The big cartel survey certainly paints that 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 picture from which uh, they're from also the not doing this year. The big cartel survey. Another casual casualty from COVID. That's yeah. strange. It is. I yeah, I messaged Richard the other day and asked when, when it's coming out. Not that. Not doing it. No. Well, they've just done their crowdfunding. They're probably pretty busy, eh? Yeah. Um, and so what, you know, but the consumers have very clearly um, articulated that they want to buy independent beer if they just knew what it was. And we just got to communicate that better. And, um, um, and, and I think that craft beer as our portion, our slice of the shrinking pie will continue to grow. Mm. Well, I like the optimism. Consumers, they want, to, they want to know where their beer comes from. They want to know who makes it, you know. That's why Great Northern is such a big fucking seller because they think it comes from somewhere. Yeah. I like the optimism, Hendo. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You think it's going to um, get tougher? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. How so? How so? Well, I think it's, I think the, the biggest thing is we had, we, when we started, had a massive advantage that no one ever talked about, which was, you know, we could, make a product that we knew the people in our audience wanted. And we also knew the majors were not going to make that product. Like when we started, yep. the, the, the only beer, let, let me try and get this right. Outside of actual craft breweries, when we started, there was little creatures that were making good beer that mm-hmm. sold. Like, that, you know, crafty, hoppy, pale owls, IPAs, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. We started in 2014. Who... What beer out of the majors around that time was around? In mm. other than it was Little Creatures, and that's it. Sure. Um, now it's almost every craft beer you can fucking think of is yeah. produced by the majors. So, mm-hmm. and no one ever talked about that. People only ever talked about, you know, people want to support local and want to support independence and all of that. But I mean, isn't it relevant that the product was? more interesting to people like yeah, we were able sure. to produce a product that was more interesting to people well it had more character and more flavor and all exactly. that sort of thing yeah absolutely yeah and, and the majors the majors could not develop that themselves right as much try as they might they just couldn't right because they're used to they're used to creating one different type of one type of beer um you know many different labels on the same style of beer and that sort of thing and do that very very well mind you um and um um the only way in which they could access that IP is to buy it. And that's what they've done. 
I know. And I mean, I, I would have done the same thing and that's, that's fine. But, but don't you think it, that you've it changes you things? Well, but don't you think the product innovation is is going places that the that the majors or the or the craperies that are owned by the majors can't follow? And I'll give you an example of your own view, like East Coast Haze. Right. That's well, a, that's have, a, you that's tasted, a, have you tasted Easy Hazy from Bolter? It's pretty fucking good. Is it? Yeah. I haven't had it. I, haven't I, had I, it. I bought a four-pack the other day. I walked into Treetops, they got a massive TV screen thing there with a fridge. They got a $16 four pack. It tastes good. It looks good. It looks like a craft beer. Mm-hmm. It's got a great team behind them. The marketing is yep. solid. I mean, yeah. And I, I get it from that perspective. It's like, yeah, okay. So they couldn't imitate craft. So they bought some of the big craft breweries and now they're able to make the product that would be considered craft, right? Um, and that's why is, I think. But it is craft. It, like it's Their beer is fucking good. Pirate Life beer is mm. fucking good. Of course. I agree. Um, yeah, uh, I never really thought about it that way. You know, where do you go from here if the if the major breweries or their their brands are able to uh, compete and be as innovative and as nimble as you as an independent? Yes, that's very problematic. It is, and and it'll be interesting because um, there's you know there's a lot of talk about supporting local, but you know as far as I'm concerned, a lot of people are still buying Stone and Wood and Bolter beers. Mm. Like I buy Bolter and Stone and Wood beers. So do you, you know, it's, it's, you know, local and independence important, but mm. maybe the whole time, the most important thing was the product. Mm. I think in some respects, um, I think that we don't do a, we, as independent brewers, we don't do a great job of selling the benefits of independent beer. Um, and, you know, um, like, we need the IBA needs to do better at that. Right. To, to as in direct consumer outreach, that that's something that they know they need to do, but hasn't been done that that great. It's on the yeah um, on their current kind of list of priorities. So we'll we'll see what comes of that. Yeah, of course. Uh, and look, we're all members of the IBA, and we all have right. to do our part and and work together on that. Exactly. Right. So that's 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 a given. We can't just say point at the IBA and say fix it. Absolutely not. We're, it's a, we're the IBA. We, exactly. we have it's to a, fix it. It's you know, mostly volunteers, and, and I've never been yeah. on the IBA, but I've been on committees, and it's fucking yeah. hard. It's fucking hard. I'm on, I'm on a, the, one of the committees for the IBA now. You know, yeah. and it's it's um uh, it's hard. You know, and um, but you got to put in the time for the industry. Um, yeah. um, and um, you know, I, and I think I think that, but as far as like you know, and this this is just my opinion. You know, is that the IBA has just had real trouble. Uh, directly reaching consumers about the benefits of independence, right? And I think the thing, you know, that that I thought, and this might be sound a bit controversial, is um, is I think that the the independent seal from the IBA, I don't like it. Visually, or just the concept? Yeah, visually. I remember when I went, I went, I actually went to the launch of the unveiling of it. Right, and if you have a look at it, it's got certified independent. And the first, and and I remember when it was un- unveiled, and the first thing that popped into my mind was certified independent. What? It just has to say beer down the bottom. It's all they need but to do. You should work for ABAC. You chuck the word beer on everything, and it fixes all problems. Yeah, absolutely. But it says certified independent. If you take that out of context, not on a can of beer and stuck it on a wall somewhere, 
But it is on a canopy. Well, okay, but not on a canopy, on a poster, right? On a poster and a bottle shop. Poster with a beer on it. No, no, just put that logo on a poster in a bottle shop and people are going to go certified independent what? In a fucking bottle shop. Yeah. Make sense? I don't, yeah, I don't know. You know, if what we're selling, right, and what we're marketing is independent beer. And the independent I don't, but I don't logo. Think we are. Like, the independent like, well, logo just, doesn't say in, doesn't say the word beer. Who decided that what we're selling and marketing is independent beer? Like, like to, to me, the thing that got me into this whole thing was better beer. Yeah, for sure. But you can't. But but you know. But the industry has tried to own the word craft, and the majors muscled in and now own the mm. word craft. Right? Yeah. What, what can't they own? And they can't own independence. Right. Right. They can't yeah, own the like majors can't own independent beer, and that's the, the thing that needs to be fixed, right? Is that we need to be positioning ourselves to say it's not about independence, which is what that logo currently says. It's about independent beer, okay. and why independent beer is better. Why is it better? Right? Uh, why is it better? Well, it's not foreign owned, for a start. Um, it is genuinely Australian, right? Um, it's not about quality, no. not necessarily about quality, um, although the consumers do see it as quality. Uh, it is about local and where you're from, right? And um, um, that's all I can think of because I'm not a marketing person, right? And I wish that there were more messages that I could think of that why independent beer is better. I can't even answer that question. Yeah, I, well, I, I, I think... The idea that Australians making things is a very good thing, you know. Oh. Like, 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 like when I grew up, all like my dad was into cars, to, you know, to a limited extent. Not not as much as kind of I'm into cars now, but you know, he liked his cars. He had the Ford, he had Fords and switched. He worked for Ford, had yep. Fords and Holdens. It was you know like we're making these Fords, we're making these Holdens. We yep. made this SS Commodore. Yeah. It was like, this is cool, we're doing shit. And yeah. then the, the whole industry was propped up for the longest time. And then we just, you know, propped up and propped up and propped up. And, the, and then you're just making products that's no good anymore. And it, it, it always comes back to the product. All of a sudden, there's way better cars coming from overseas. There's more competition. You can't mm. keep propping this thing up forever. The whole thing goes to shit. Now we're no longer making anything. Yeah. And this is something we can make because it does make sense that you drink these kind of beers as close to where they're made as possible because mm. they taste better. And I agree. And, and independent beer, right? Like I said, it's not, I, I don't see it as being a higher quality product, but it should be. And it could be IBA, a more desirable product without being a higher quality product. Yeah, of course. And I think, I think, um, I think the IBA could, um, I think there's a there's an opportunity there for and it, you know there is the quality committee in the IBA and stuff like that but um, we need to spend a bit more on educating craft brewers and you know a rising tide lifts all boats and and lift our skills in the industry have a look at the American Brewers Association yeah a massive yeah. amount of resources there mm. for for free yep you know um, and um, you know quali- brewing quality resources and stuff like that. Brewing marketing resources, you know, uh, or beer marketing resources, all that sort of stuff. That's that's where we need to go. It's going to take a lot of work, right? Um, you know, I'm 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 pretty 
you know, vehement supporter of, of, of the independent brewing industry and that sort of thing. Um, and um, um, we've got a lot of improvements to make. Love the IBA, major, you know, I, 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 I participate in it because I genuinely believe in it. But like every so do we, and it's not super cheap. I tell you, <laughs> it's not you're cheap. Making a fair bit of beer. Yeah, it's not cheap, but I don't mind. I don't mind paying it. You know. Yeah, once you're um, making a few million liters a year, it's a fair bit of money. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, yeah. Um, but you know, they're they're the sort of things that that, that where I think independence, what independence needs to be. Um, I genuinely think, you know, I, I do believe it in, in part that it's got to start with the logo and it just has to say beer at the bottom of that logo. Right. Okay. All right. Well, there's a, there's a call to action for, you know, it. yeah. Um, I, I, I want to want to add to the, the, um, the sort of question around whether craft is over um, because of the buyouts and, bring us back to one of the points Marzen made about when a, when a company sells, like basically these breweries are making good beer because of the people working in the breweries. Mm, mm, like it's mm. not like the, the kind of beers I like drinking, you know, these sort of, I suppose, crafty beers. It's, it's not, it's not the equipment really, especially the no. small scale stuff. It's, you know, like we were, some of the beers Govzy made, Gov's made a fucking beer once on his stovetop just to, just as a fucking joke, yeah. and it was amazing. Like mate, it's not- I, made, I made a beer that beat fucking Hophog at the Bertha Royal Beer Show on a shit brewery. Exactly, shit it's, across it's, the country. Yeah, it's not. It's not the equipment. So it's the people, one hundred percent. So yes, yeah, so skills. Yeah. So so to take skills and like like I'll say one, like one thing about like the environment we're working in, right? We can, and it's unfortunately because we're growing, it's getting less and less true. But we can just have an idea about a beer. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we can think of something. We can see a design that inspires us. You know, like I, I like watching F1, right? So last year at some point I was watching the the Italian Grand Prix and I'm like, oh, Parabolica, that's a sick word. That'd be a good name mm-hmm. for a beer. Let's make a beer called Parabolica. Mm-hmm. Put in the channel. Sick label too. Yeah. Govzy's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. I messaged Dave Heaviside at 10 o'clock at night. <clears throat> the next day we got a recipe. we got a design. We got a beer called Parabolica. This is just one small release. Like this is like the beauty of craft beer. I don't know what you call mm. that. So nothing to do with being, independence. Being nimble. Being it's nimble. being nimble and it's having the passion and the interest and the excitement, yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's passion. And, okay, well, there you go. They've named some more things there. Right. So but, without but, without but, without necessarily being about quality, it's about being Australian. It's about being local. It's about being passionate. It's about just, being nimble it's and about innovative. The and the vibe. <laughs> This episode just turned into the castle. Mm. Um, yes, to bring us back to a previous episode when we talked to Mazin about it, his point about the acquisitions was that at some point um, the people leave. They do. So that's, so that's going to be interesting. And I think if you look long-term at the acquisitions, in the past there hasn't been a lot of innovation long-term that I can think of, you know, little creatures mm. pale ale still tastes pretty good, but I don't know what else they've made in that time. Mm. And mm. being owned by the majors. That's, you know, really outstanding. Little creatures Pacific ale. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> ever had it. I saw, a, I, saw a, had it. I, I saw a billboard for that the other day and I just thought, okay, this is just. Would you try it? Would you try it? If you saw it at the pub? 
just out of curiosity, but I just, you know, you know the, the idea of like, and we've never done a Pacific Ale or an XPA. I just hate the yeah. idea of stealing someone else's fucking beer. Just don't do yeah, it. Sure. I just don't yeah. like it. I don't like it. But anyway, the, the Stone and Wood founders said themselves they don't have a problem with it. So it's free game, fair game mm. now. Mm. After yeah. they sold, they said that. Black Ops Pacifico. No chance. Um, but that will be interesting. Like the the to me, in terms of the beer that interests me post-sale, that has stayed really good, little creatures, pirate life, and bolter. I, maybe Green Beacon. I actually haven't drunk a lot of Green Beacon. I'm sure their beer is still really good. Um, yeah. Okay, go on. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been disappointed by the brand a few times, but okay. um, um, always give them another chance every yeah. six months or so. I suppose I suppose the point is um, it's looking good now. And if you, if, you, if you listen to what Mazin says, once – Five year, three or five years is up, and the contracts are earned out. Are they still going to get the people in that are just as excited as the original people are, and still True. get this, this whole vibe? Yeah, and I, I don't, I'd, I'd say probably not. Right. Yeah. Probably not. Well, and you know, and, no, and and hearing from from people who are working, you know, in 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 and amongst what's going on now, people got their eye on the door. It's normal. Yeah. They'd have to. Some of them would be. Not saying it's going to be mass mass exodus or anything like that, but people have to have their eye on the door. For some people, you know, working for a for one of the majors is not what they want to do. Well, that's, that's definitely fine. true. That's definitely true. Um, but there's also there's also a lot of people. Yeah, I guess that that's going to be the thing, isn't it? Like how many how many? There's a lot of people who that would suit. I mean, that's that's, that's there's a lot of yeah, and some people would be totally cool with it. You know. Yeah. Um, and totally cool with the corporate thing. You know, there's a lot of crew at Stone and Wood who are ex-Lion, and now that they're owned by Lion again, they go, oh, I know this culture. It's fine. I'm, I, I know what to expect now. Well, I mean, the founders were ex-CEB, weren't they? So, Well, that's right. Yeah. yeah. A lot of the production crew are all ex, you know, the middle management there in production, all ex-Lion. Yeah. For them, it's like, okay, we're back in the pride again. Cool. <laughs> Interesting times ahead. Ooh, indeed. I, I do appreciate your... your it's a perspective of the challenges. Where does independent beer, not craft beer, where does independent beer go now? Mm. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Well, the I still feel, place to start. but I have to say though, I still feel positive though. Right. I, I, and I'm not, I don't want to you know, make this conversation sound like a, you know, like a Debbie Downer bloody conversation. Yeah. I still feel that craft beer, independent beer and that sort of thing is on the up. You know, we've we've got all these amazing breweries, even just here in southeast Queensland, that are you know building production facilities like Bruhaha and all that sort of stuff. Hmm. You know that are that are growing. You know, ballistics growing. You're growing. Your mates are growing. You know, they're all growing and that sort of thing. And and yes. and um and that's great. Um, on what basis? Yeah, that's a little bit grey for us all at the moment. Uh, while yeah. the dust settles from this thing, we'll figure it out. I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic as well. I just, I just think we, you can't, you can't kind of ignore that, no. that it's, it's, it's significant change from what it was like when we started. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, I think the big thing that's got to, got to come out of this is, you know, for, for independent brewers is, uh, and, and this is maybe because I make beer. It's got, there's got to be a focus on quality. Yeah. We've got to up our game big time. You know, and um, and and because because that's what we're competing against. It's it's us 
against Lion and CEV. Yeah. That's how and it works. And they're making very fucking good beer. And they're making good beer, and we need to be at, at the at the minimum as good as them. Yeah. Because consumers know, right? Every time they drink a fucking can of beer that's a diacetyl bomb, right? They don't know it's a diacetyl bomb. Average Joe doesn't know it's a diacetyl bomb. He just goes, yuck. Or it's different, therefore yuck, mm. right? He doesn't know it's butterscotch. He doesn't know what he's tasting. He's expecting beer. He's not getting beer, and it's very yeah. black-white in, in that person's mind, right? And so um, and so, if, if, if independent brewers are putting out beers that make people in with their very polarised minds go yum or yuck and it's falling in the yuck category, then we're in trouble, right? And that's therefore at the very minimum for very uneducated palates out there, which is the majority of our consumers, yeah. um, you know, who, 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 who give us money and pay our bills and all that sort of stuff, we just have to be not yuck. That's right. <laughs> yes. And you've been consistent on that because I remember when I asked you to write the foreword for our book that, that I wrote for Black Ops before we'd even opened the mm. brewery, your whole foreword was about making beer well. And that was... I guess that's six years ago now. So yeah, yes. All right. On that note, making podcasts well—that's we're doing that right. We're doing okay. We're doing okay. I feel pretty good at this. This is something to do on, like you know, like a Wednesday or Thursday night or something like that. And yeah, I'm good. What else am I going to do? Go and I like I like your backdrop there. I just I want to do better. This this is this is not good. Okay, not good. When I have my have my new half white. Let's talk about that over a beer on Friday, yeah. and um, we'll talk about backdrops for um, for streaming and that sort of thing. And okay. the idea is is not to have a you know like a horizontal. Your your back wall is is parallel to your desk right now. You want to be in a corner? You've got a like I've got a corner desk here now and all sorts okay. of stuff. I don't and like angles. A little, a little bit of lighting and all sorts of stuff. You got to you got to start fucking liking angles, mate. No, that's, that's how it works. Gonna, that's not going to happen. And um, uh, and um, some good um, good sound equipment. This this very large oversized mic, which I'm thinking of downsizing. That's the blue yeti, um, there, is it? That is the yeti blue yeti. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, a bit of IKEA shit. You know, that's an IKEA shelf and IKEA lights. And I've got it. I've got it. I've got that in my office. I could do it in my office, but I'm not normally in my office at seven thirty at night. That's mm. the that's mm. the problem. Yeah. You need to set up a home studio, mate. Okay. Well. My new house that I'm building does have a little home office there, which we can work with. Yeah, good. It's going to be about six months away. So if we're still going in six months' time, then we're, we're good to go. Yeah, right. <laughs> Looking forward to it. I'll be in my new place by then as well. So Very good. All right. I'll see you Friday, mate. Cheers. Take it easy, mate. Looking forward to it. Thanks, mate. Bye. Take it easy, man.